Let's talk about microdosing. You know that feeling when your body and mind are really at peace, like after a workout or a nice long shower, where you've relaxed, you're focused, and a little energized? It feels just right, like you're in the zone. Well, microdose can help you not only get into that zone easier, but stay there longer. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. I absolutely love how helpful these gummies are. For me, half a microdose gummy during the day helps me really stay centered and really fresh as I get everything done on my list. And they really help me relax in the evenings as well and just be present and in the moment instead of worrying about things from the day or what I have to do tomorrow. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com, promo code MinaAF. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com, promo code MinaAF for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com, promo code MinaAF. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. I'm Mina Starziak-Hawk, and this is Mina AF, where I answer all of your questions and you can ask me anything. Can we talk about money? Can you still breastfeed with implants? You're both boss moms, and I'd love to know the story of how you met. Literally anything any of you want to hear. Listen as we build a community and get to know each other better. Thank you guys all for joining. I hope you had a lovely Monday today on Mina AF. Super excited because we have Christy Carlson Romano. And I don't know if you like being called, like, you know, growing up like a child star. Like, do you have feelings about being about that? Like, that's that's the title line in your bio. If anyone talks about you, child star. Interesting. I mean, it's weird because I was actually 14 when even Stevens for Disney Channel came out. But I was 16 when we started the series and then probably 17 when it started hitting the airwaves. So, yeah, child star like when I sometimes I'll interview like legit child star like Mara Wilson, who's the little girl from Mrs. Doubtfire and Matilda. Like she's a child star. Yeah. Like Drew Barrymore, a child star where they were like famous, famous when they were eight. Yes. So you were in your teens by the time, like, the craziness of other people knowing you became a thing. Yeah. The, I was in my, like, my mid-teens and then late teens when things got crazy. And then the 20s were just a wild ride. So Yeah. 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 So in some ways, when you make it super young, you you have more time to recover. Like, if you've stopped, right? Like, Mara Wilson is a decent example in that. She quit because she she felt early on when she was about 11 or 12. She always talks to me about this. She's like, 
yeah, it was just too much pressure and I knew it and I knew I wasn't going to be like the leading lady type. And I, 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 you know, I knew I was queer and stuff like that. And she's like, I went to NYU and I became a writer. That's very enlightened for an 11 year old. <laughs> she's, I mean, Mara was always very, very smart. And I think yeah, she was more towards edging towards like 12, 13 and all that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were a, a little bit, a little bit later in life, but still like very big, very early, right before I came up here, there's only three girls on my team. And the youngest one is mid twenties. And she, she kind of like, wasn't really listening. Then she like clicked in and she was like, wait, she's, she's Kim possible. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. She was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I know. I know. That's exciting. I was like, Good. It's funny when things click with people. It's it's and even if you're talking about what you know, HDTV and everything, it's like, oh yeah, oh oh okay, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, you got to put things in context. Shortcuts. Because why I would be talking to Kim Possible on my Mina AF podcast is very confusing, which is understandable. Yeah, <laughs> but super excited to have you on. Thank you. Because since the Disney and the King Possible, Possible and Cadet Kelly, you've done so much more. Um. Did you go to Columbia for grad school? Undergrad. It just took me, dude, it took me 12 years to finish. And I have a million and a half stories in between those years. Um, Basically, I went when I was, you know, of age. I I graduated right after Even Stevens ended. And um, Disney was using me for Kim Possible and other things. And then I went for a year and a half, like a typical 18-year-old. And I was... Uh, bullied. Um, but also I think I was just really weak. <laughs> I don't think I was socially like ready for that environment. And it's obviously an Ivy League experience because Barnard and Columbia share a university title. And mm-hmm. so very competitive. And yeah, the pecking order of that and the societies that exist within that, I was not prepared for. It's not Hollywood. It's a whole nother level. Do you feel like you were like weak because you would come from this environment where you were like the best and the smartest and the funniest and the prettiest and you had yes people or just because your age and life you weren't ready? Uh, both. Yeah. I think both. Yeah. Totally. You nailed it. Um, I think a lot of people came and come to Ivy League schools being the best from a small town or wherever they're from and then they come to this you know, literally the school of the bests and everyone is the best at something. And then they're so out of whack that it becomes like Lord of the Flies. And it's like, yeah. who can date the top athlete? And um, and then if you break up with that person four months in, like I did, and it's this massive public, you know, reality show type breakup, that's just sort of this awful thing. And And so I think like the social dynamics is something that someone who, you know, when I was doing Disney stuff, there was no social media. So, yeah. and no reality TV. So that like level of understanding your your persona and your brand as a personal brand, I <laughs> had no idea, no clue. I just want to rewind a little bit and know like how you got into acting to begin with. Was it a passion for you? Was it something your family or parents were into? Or how did that start up? Of course. Um, look, I was six and a half. I now have a six and a half year old and a four and a half year old. And it's so wild to me to see her, the six and a half year old at where she's sort of like sitting in her development and her milestones. And to think now of how that's triggering me in certain little ways and some larger ways. Um, 
And I, I, I really want what's best for her. And I think that all parents do, right? I think like ultimately my mom, who's now relocated to Austin and is sort of in my care again, <laughs> um, I think she really wanted to have me have the best chances at succeeding in life, right? And I was performing against, like my sisters were doing pageants and they were also doing sports. I was never an athletic kid, so I kind of always was just leaning into performing and dancing. And I think something just, uh, someone came to my mom at one of those competitions and was like, hey, I represent little kids and like I would love to represent your little girl. And I think I was just young enough and compliant enough that it worked. And um, yeah. you know what I mean? Like compliant in a kid, it, it is tough. <laughs> It's a good thing and a bad thing because like I've, yeah. I don't know about you with your, your family, but like I'm definitely teaching my girls to not be compliant and to know their, yeah. you know, like have agency and know their bodies. Well, and I don't think I have to teach Charlie that because she's absolutely insane. <laughs> so she's almost, she's three and a half and Jack's almost five. So I'm not at that age yet with the, like the six and a half, seven, but very much so trying to to, you know, help them draw their own boundaries and understand right. that stuff, which was very different than our parents. Like, well, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. You're fine. I'm 39. Okay, me too. Oh my gosh. I'm 39 go. also. <laughs> but it was like, be cute, put on the cute dress, like kiss kiss old yep. people and now yep. shut up. Sit on their laps. Like it was casting, you yeah. know, if I was at a casting office, like I remember a casting director coming back to my mom and saying like, she can't sit on people's laps. Like, that's dangerous. And that's so cool. I don't remember. I wish I could, like, call that casting person and be like, you did the right thing. And how great. Yeah. You know, but um, I just remember feeling so, like, oh, my God, I did something wrong, you know, in that somebody was advocating for me. Um, so, yeah, I think compliance can be a very scary thing for young for young people, especially young performers. Mm-hmm. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have different stressors, some big, some small, that we carry around and that really weigh us down. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to have a negative effect on us. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. For me, therapy has been so helpful, really learning those positive coping skills and to be the best version of myself. I know myself better and how to set the right boundaries that really work for me. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, then give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, and it's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash AF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash AF. What do you what do you see now looking back at it as the things that your your people that were in your corner really did differently than some of the other kids that didn't have the the support and that you had I guess Honestly the education the education part was what really uh defined my ability to pull through this I'm not the best student either like I literally, you know, when I left that- But just prioritizing it? Yes, like having another that option okay. that was not existing within the confines of being some professional actor. It was like, gotcha. oh, I can always leave and go back. And that was the best part about the university, the 
institutions generally, I think, allow you to leave for professional reasons and come back for professional. It's like a really great thing. Mm -hmm. I wish they did that at every school, but I'm not sure that yeah. would be, a, you know, although it would be a great value considering how much money we all dump into, to, you know, school loans and whatnot. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. this really worked for me, this, this way of doing it. And um, I did it in high school that way. I had to go to a performing arts high school. And so with the way that Columbia University and Barnard specifically worked with me, 12 years, it really became my home. Um, yeah. I didn't want to, uh, yeah, I didn't want to admit it, but you know, it was always there for me at the back of my mind. I could always go back to New York. And if I needed to do theater, I would do theater. And like, I had a, stru a loose structure that I could lean back on. And some people don't mm -hmm. have that. Or someone supporting options. Going back and yeah. forth either way, it seems like. Like I can be in school and just from my like brief experience, I mean, it's not brief. I've been filming for almost 10 years, but it feels brief. And I'm an adult. I've felt as an adult, like I have to say yes to everything because this this flame is going to burn out quick. People are fickle. So I feel like, you know, decades ago, whatever, when you were doing this, that was also a very kind of advanced way to think at your age or with the support of your mom, your parents, whatever it was, um, that, that you could go back and forth. Because I for sure thought if I don't say yes to everything, then it's all gone and I'm done. 100%. And it was like the accidental power of no, because yeah. I didn't realize that I was hurting my career, like quotation marks, right? And I, yeah. I was obviously hurting my career because if I had stayed there and been compliant and did everything right, I may have had, you know, a chance or two at the kind of relationships or the kind of opportunities that one could maybe get. But what I've always resented about our industry, the media industry at large, especially when it pertains to people who are young and, and living their lives against it, it's like you can't live your life just waiting for the phone to ring. Your life is passing yeah. you by. That's, again, very wise for your age. <laughs> when, you know, you're back there doing that. I'm just, I'm very impressed. Um, oh, cool. So looking Thank back you. on what you've done so far then, because you've done Broadway and, you know, some production things and obviously Kim Possible, what was the favorite? that you've done so far that you'd be like, yes, I would go back and do that 10 more times. It was great. Oh, wow. I guess Kim Possible at this point because, I mean, I mean, we were talking about tan gingers before. <laughs> and you're a beautiful tan we ginger. Thank you. Am I going to get canceled for this, though? That's what I want to know. I think if I call myself a ginger, you can call me a ginger. I think I'm that's Kim how Possible. it works. Totally She's fine. a ginger. Come on now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So I K love it. KP really does have such a special place in my heart. There's a there's a Disney magic that exists in what it means to voice a titular character for, you know, that moment in time that people continue to relive and rewatch and talk about. And they, for some reason, feel as though I am this character, even though I don't look yeah. like her. And I'm obviously much older. And I, I don't want to let that go, not because I'm desperate because I'm definitely not. And it's just part of the magic. It's, it's something that I believe in wholeheartedly. And when I look back on the other things, it's like, okay, well, that was me playing that part. Yeah. But it, it's, I was watching a behind the scenes for Despicable Me yesterday with my little girls. And my my girls were like, look, it's like, these are actors and they're like putting it together. I was like, that's what mommy does. And our avatar is Kim Possible for Disney Plus, you know? 
And somebody said something was like, this is a soul that's behind the character, right? And so that's why I think I'm so connected to her because it's that part of her soul that if I was a part of that, I want to continue that legacy. Yeah, that's so fun. What was was your least enjoyable job you've done? Definitely Mirrors 2. Mirrors 2, I had a nude scene and um, I was extremely- How old were you? (laughs) I was 20. 23 or 24. Oh, God. I would be so, like, even now at 40 almost, I'd be like, ah, I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, look, I think like all the power to the people that are doing it, I I have no problem and no judgment on anybody no. who chooses to do that. Like, it's their body. It's their choice. It's their career. It's their art, right? For me, though, yeah. I made the choice for the wrong reasons and um, I made it for multiple wrong reasons. <laughs> And um, I just think that, like, I don't think I would erase it because you can't. But yeah. it talk about, like, a teachable moment for my daughters, you know, and how yeah. using your agency and your body as uh, something to really be mindful of. And, uh, yeah. yeah, that was least, ex- least comfortable. <laughs> so are the bad reasons – you know, money, career advancement, because you were pressured into it, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, revenge from an ex. Like, yeah, it was all oh, those things. Oh, hot just- bod revenge. <laughs> I feel like that's that's a good reason, but you know, you know, at the time, maybe paired with the other things. Oh, Mina, at the time I thought it was, and now I look back and I'm like, that guy didn't deserve any of my revenge. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So you've done like you've the gamut of things and uh, then you started Vulnerable, your podcast, which was how long ago? Wow. Okay. So basically I was doing YouTube and I was doing sponsored content when I got pregnant. And then after that, I started to do YouTube to kind of like talk about stuff and come back to my fan base. YouTube went really well. And I did these viral walk and talks where I was talking about aspects of my life that were very vulnerable. And at a certain point, I plateaued with not only my views, but with just in general, like what I had to talk about. And yeah, I decided I wanted to talk to other people because when I had done like a little cooking show on my YouTube, it was with celebrities from, you know, nostalgic times. And they would be like answering questions, but in a way that felt very media trained. And yeah. I was like, cool. So you're like your eyes twitching when I ask you how your childhood was. So you're doing like a cooking segment on like the Today Show kind of answer versus like let's get into this. Like there's clearly more going on for you. Exactly. I was like I've got to I've got to isolate what people really want to know about this in a safe space so that these mm-hmm. celebrities feel the empowerment that I've felt in in becoming a real person on camera rather yeah. than a brand exclusively a brand. Well, what seems so interesting is there are, there's these two kind of groups that that I've I've kind of figured out it is always very shocking to me how meaningful like the programming like TV is to some people and the characters and how they attach so even Kim Possible like the the people that watch my show that know me and they genuinely feel like I'm in their living room you know every Tuesday for the last 8 seasons and being able to, on the one hand, really be able to lean on, I know who this person is and I know what to expect because I see them, they're there, I see them more often than I see my parents, you know, if, if you don't live with your parents anymore versus there's all these other layers to them too. 
And there are kind of two groups. There are the people that really just want you to be Kim Possible, but then there's the people that are also super, super interested in, yeah, you've got to have other things going on. It can't just be this for me 42 minutes, you know, once a week for a few seasons. Um, and the ones who want you to stay the character, those are that's the tricky one. And I think what's really cool about Vulnerable, which is I don't know why I'm having such a hard time saying that. That could never be my <laughs> podcast name. Vulnerable. Uh, yeah. I How don't many syllables is it supposed to have? Three or four? Vulnerable. Vul- it's four. like at the Vul- front. You have to like Vulnerable. purse the lips. <laughs> yes. You got to purse the lips. But was to give that other group an opportunity to like search out the information Absolutely. that they want. Because when I when I put it out there on my social media – a lot of people that follow me because of the show, even though it's my personal account and I have a business account, it's very upsetting when people feel like they're spammed by me in a way they don't want to be, which is also not reasonable because it's my social media account. But the podcast, I think in your way too, is like it's this safe space because all those actors get to talk about it, but in a way where they know the people who are listening are people that want to hear their stories, which makes it so much safer. I haven't thought about that. You're right. I haven't thought about that. I mean, there is that whole concept of people hate listening to things, but I think it's more hate yeah. viewing. I feel like people who can imbibe in your visuals because everything's become so visual uh, mm-hmm. when, you know, you cut it and you promote it online. It's great because, you know, you get to put it out there. Why are you, Why would you be doing it unless you got people to actually come and listen and take mm-hmm. notice? But um they can also just say whatever they want to say without watching the entirety of a video, uh, which is frustrating. But I think it's really helped me get a tougher skin. Um, and I would yeah. imagine with you having done, I wouldn't even call it reality because of you having actually <laughs> physically been doing things. like, and, and so with reality, when I watch, you know, the stuff that's on Vanderpump Rules, it's like, oh my gosh. Oh my God, I've gone down the rabbit hole. It's so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. I used to hang out with Sheena Shea. I used to literally hang out with her. When she I was- heard she's lovely. She's great. She's awesome. People actually yeah. think we look alike, which I think's great. She's a hottie. But yeah. um, it's wild to me just how much that, that that's come back around. Like the Kardashians have left everyone's like top of mind and like pump has come back. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what the they came back in a big way, thanks to Scandaval. Oh, my god! Everyone's on the edge of their seat. It was all just a distraction so that we didn't think about the default. <laughs> Jeez, it's so crazy. It oh, it's so good. Anywho, so how long has Vulnerable, how many episodes do you have? Or- oh, my gosh. I think it's like, uh, I think it's been like eight eight or nine months. Like, I don't know. I'm Oh, so it's new. It's maybe Well, congratulations. Not, maybe a year? I don't know. I think we're definitely yeah. under a year. I think I need to celebrate it if, if, if and when we are, you know, getting to that year point. Wanting to go back to when you mentioned, I think it's a super huge shift and that there wasn't, social media wasn't what it was when you were a child actor or, you know, it, even into your, you know, Broadway days. I mean, it's it feels like it's been around forever, but in the format it is, it really hasn't even been that long. And how you view like your experience and honestly, I feel like it's so much worse than it that that it exists for it's hard. I'm rambling. Let no, me you're not. You're doing it's great. hard even 
It's hard even as an adult to read things and hear things and not internalize them in a way that's productive. So having to do that at such a young age, which now child actors are, even into like I'm 39 and I can just do that in the last couple of years. Be like, you know what? You probably just got divorced or your dog got hit by a car and that sucks. So you're being a jerk to me. Exactly. But couldn't have done that before. So just, I guess, talking a little bit about I mean, you don't know how it would have been, I guess, when you were a child, but how you see it now and and kind of your thoughts on that. Um, what's crazy is that now we have a generation of kids that are in using social media that have never not known the world without it. And so, you know, I'm praying that Gen Alpha, which is like our kids age or generation, will almost find privacy as sort of like a sense of relief and like kind of find their way back to it. And I've been seeing some people, um, there's a girl I follow on TikTok that was recently talking about it. And she's a, she's Gen Z, but she talks a lot about, you know, forecasting of the way that things can go. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are so many risks associated with being an influencer. And um, so many of these, I mean, most kids, when they're interviewed, say, I guess, that they would rather be an influencer than anything else, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It's easy. They can make a good living on their terms, and they can get free stuff, and they get invited to all these different, you know, potentially different vacation spots. It's, it's the quality of life that the kids are after, but what they don't realize is that there's no free dinners, right? And so with that comes a tremendous amount of commitment to your brand and what you say, how you look all the time. I mean, there's no free dinners. I meant free lunches, I guess. <laughs> I was with you. You got me, Mina. But I got you. I experienced this in a bubble and now mm-hmm. everyone is experiencing it. Which is yeah. why when we talk about it, it's so great because we have to all be understanding of the fact that this has been happening prior to social media. Now y'all are just child actors and you're all yeah. experiencing what it's like to have to come to terms with feeling exploited and feeling you know, taken, taken out of a natural state of comfort into anything I mm-hmm. say or do could get me canceled. Anything I say or do can get me, you know, Almost in, in almost in the line of danger, you you know, Drew Afualo talks. Well, and about, I feel like it's got to be mm-hmm. so. No, sorry, finish what you're oh, saying. Oh, I did. I, lo- I please interrupt me. I'm a huge talker. Um, Drew Afualo is a girl, a lady, woman. Oh God, um, she's a wonderful <laughs> woman. I love her. She girl, was on my podcast. <laughs> 
And um, she's got her, she's like Spotify's next big thing. She's got this podcast called The Comment Section. And she's literally roasted these like super toxic guys that come on and call her a whale and these horrible things. And then she'll show their pictures. And she's extremely funny and engaging and people love her for it. But she came on my podcast and I was like, I was like, do you get death threats? And she's like, come on, are you kidding me? That's all I get is death threats. And I'm like, yo, how to, like, to live your life constantly getting death threats like that, you don't know who's, who's about it and who's not. You know, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because so many people just are these, you know, keyboard warriors because they wouldn't say it to your face. I've actually had people message me and say a bunch of stuff. Like I get I get anything from like hate stuff to, you know, like you're the worst human in the world to can I please pay you for feet pics? Like bizarre <laughs> stuff. Would but you do it? One Would guy, you do feet pics? <laughs> I <laughs> Look, if it pays the bills, I told my husband, I was like, you know, good bones can't stay around forever. Um, We actually talked about this in a previous episode. He texted me a couple weeks ago and was like, I just watched this podcast. What about masked sex videos? You could make like $150,000. This is how I picture him sounding when I'm reading the text. And my response was, is it 150 a pop or 150 like a year? Because that's a, we'll have different conversations. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know the answer. I was like, do more research and come back to me. Okay. <laughs> and I'm assuming the mask but, sex would be with him. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're so both be wearing with him. Masks. And I'm like, yeah, like you have a bajillion <laughs> tattoos. I think it'd be pretty obvious what's <laughs> happening. But, you know. I love that for um, you guys. <laughs> So I got, I was getting this like slew of like super racy texts and the guy said, I'm so sorry. I would never say this to your face if I saw you. And I'm very careful with like who or when I respond to because if you open up the floodgates, it can get weird. But I felt moved and I said, you know, just a suggestion, you know, leave it here, pick it up, spread the word, whatever you want to do with this, but maybe talk to people on social media like you were looking at them in the face. And I think you'll be happier with the things that come out of your mouth. And he said, oh, my gosh, you're so sorry. Like, I'm going to think about that now. And I was like, ah! one out of five million, it worked. It wasn't just like, F you, you're stupid. Wow. I really, truly hope that that person can. can. Wow. He I never even said thought any about more that. wild stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I think as society, we always swing really far one way, really far to the next, and then land somewhere in between. And I think everyone, like, from all their trauma from our parents were like, we're not going to do that. Like you, we should all be special and we're the best and so much care. And then you got this helicopter parent generation. And then you raised a bunch of kids that think everyone should think they're the best, not just their parents. So coming back to that like middle ground, when I tell my parents, I'm like, or my kids, like, you're so smart, you're beautiful, you're funny. I'm like, mom thinks you are the best at X, Y, Z, or mom thinks you're the best at everything. I like that. Because- the confusion is, well, no one's ever specified. They've just always told me I was the best. Oh, I <laughs> and like I've that. always told, uh, I, I'm not a fan of participation trophies because I think telling your kids that you're not going to be good at everything is okay. Like, yeah, no, you're not as fast as your brother. Oh, you can make them make them child actors, then they won't think they're good at anything <laughs> ever. <laughs> or that, or that for sure. Oh so my god, that's I'm really so funny. hoping the same thing happens with social media that it gets yeah. to just this like healthy place where there can be like cool, good, fun stuff. But I don't know. I feel like it's going to go one way or the other. The other thing that's interesting, I want to know how you feel about this. Yeah. 
because I'm in a trade that will change, but will never go away. It's construction. Um, and so there's cool. this huge gap in the workspace for that, for those trades, for HVAC, for plumbing, for iron workers, all these things that are not sexy careers to this young generation that wants to be YouTubers. And in my head, like what I've told my my youngest brother is 18. He just graduated high school. And so talking to him about some of these things is interesting to me because there's all that judgment at that age about what college are you going to go to? You know, what's your major? And I was like, you know, there's a million people talking at you. If you don't want my advice, don't don't like just tell me. But there's a bunch of things you could do over here that I'm happy to share with you. And like these trade schools, there's such a huge gap and there's so much money to be made. But no one ever suggested to my 18-year-old brother, like if you go work in the Iron Workers Union, you can start at 60 grand a year. You can get up into the six figures and you retire with a full pension in 30 years when you're 48. And like nobody has pensions anymore. No. That's like so no. rare. Not only that, you're, you're, these are the kinds of, these are such great professions. And I feel like- and they're not going anywhere. Yes. And, like, and trades Like being trades an influencer so is new, mm -hmm. which means it's going to go away, right? Yeah, for sure. I think that people are seeing it as that the influencer market uh, will rearrange itself to being more video focused. So in yeah. some ways, podcasting and moving image and sort of an authentic brand that you've already created. Like, I feel like that's where we're ahead of it, but we're also privileged. So people that are coming up, it's gonna look very different in the next five to 10 years for sure. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, the, everything's different. When I think about people in traditional Hollywood and the writer's strike and AI and like all the stuff that's currently happening right now. It's wild. It's wild, but it's so predictable because they're dinosaurs with the way they're doing business. Like everything yeah. is just, it's just dinosaurs. So I'm yeah. very happy to have, I don't know if this was in my bio because um, it it might've been dated, but podcast company that I created with my husband um, is called Podco. And so it's got, it's different from Dear Media, you know, it's mom and pop like that, but we are really sort of enjoying working with our friends and folks like the Wizards of Waverly Pod, where we had Selena Gomez on. It's a rewatch podcast. And then another rewatch with Ned's Declassified, which is a Nickelodeon show. Um, we've got some really big ones in development. Vulnerable, my podcast is also in that company. And um, the Lawrence Brothers. I don't know if you remember the Lawrence Brothers, Matthew, Joey Lawrence, and Andy oh, Lawrence. Oh, yeah. So they're yeah. very funny guys. And they're such like, you know, they're bros. They're bros together. And they come together and they have a brotherly love pod. So what I've really loved so much about what we do with the podcast space or anyone else like your podcast or like what I see coming up is that it's so exciting because it's authentic and empowering and you're giving people the opportunity to like be themselves. So I think I love that's what we the do. best advice too for these kids because I've I've been asked, I get messaged, um, I don't know if you get any of this too, but like, well, what advice do you have? Like, how do I become an influencer? How do I become, you know, a creator? And I didn't do it on purpose. And I think the kids now that are the most successful at it, I always say, I was like, do what you want to do, do what you enjoy and what you think is cool and let other people watch. And then 
if you're in the right place doing the things you love, I think that's what brings people attention. It's that real like genuine nature that, because I think we all just want to kind of relate. Yeah. I can relate to you for whatever reason because I want to be you, because I like what you do, because I do what you do, whatever it is. Create an opportunity for people to relate to you and then you'll have the opportunity to succeed. You can't just like make it, you can't phone it in because I think people can really tell and they want to feel like things are genuine, particularly in this time right now. Yeah, I think like what I see them say a lot too is that it has to educate, inspire, or I think, I forget the third, third Entertain. One. Yes. So that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Ding. Um. And so it's either one of those three things that are truly um, what's going to get you seen and heard. And yeah. but 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 what you make a really good point on, Mina, is like you should find your joy first. Like find what yeah. you're good at, what you're great at, and then you can start to share it with the world. Because um, mm-hmm. everybody knows the tips and tricks of how to make content these days. Like literally, I went to Colombia for film, and. <laughs> I, I, I kind of wish I hadn't because it's everybody's a filmmaker now. Everyone knows how to edit. Yeah. And um, I always joke with my production team all the time. I'm like, we don't even need you guys. We have iPhones. <laughs> we, well, AI is going to take like, everyone's like, jobs. Straight to the heart. Great. Thanks. Oh, my Thank gosh. <laughs> it's it's creepy. My husband uses it, that chat GPT, all the time. So and mine. it just blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that's going to land, Neither do but I. it's cool and it's crazy and it's terrifying. It's very so, terrifying. I love it. <laughs> and that's the one that's like regulated too. So yeah, yep. Yep. exactly. So what do you think, um, what's been like your favorite, like most favorite, most rewarding moment? Well, I feel like you're a mom, so I kind of know the answer. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, you know where I'm going to go with this before I even yeah. answered. That's got to be it for sure. So like I I, I drank before um, I had my first daughter and I stopped drinking when I got pregnant. And um, I was, I've never looked back. I've lived a sober lifestyle. I'm so happy for that clarity that it's brought me that it's, it's in part of most of the conversations I have and everything I do. And I'm not in a 12-step program, but I had a lot of Al-Anon when I was younger for family and friends. And I probably should have been in AA, but... I live my life in a way that is concurrent with sobriety. And so it's just wonderful. Um, I love it. It's a gift that keeps giving. My husband and I have been sober for two years. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you doing? And again, I think everyone everyone thinks like, oh, well, you had a drinking problem. I'm like, it wasn't like, I think that's just the norm. Like you only don't drink if you had a problem. Mm -hmm. But it's just amazing. It really is. And it, how long did it take you to feel like, it took me probably about three to six months where I would like come home and be like, oh my God, I want a glass of wine or a margarita or whatever it was yeah. to get through that emotion. For sure. a lot of people ask me that. Like when did, when did it hit for you? So because I was pregnant, I had a lot of hormones. And so I was very distracted for a very long time. And then um, I think I didn't really start thinking that way till probably like after my second kid. My kids are 26 months apart. And it was 2020 and we were in the pandemic. And I had- So all everyone did was drink. That's what I'm saying, right? Well, and you're already in quarantine when you have little kids, like little babies. And I had like a one-year-old and like, you know, a two and a half-year-old and we're stuck in quarantine and you're stuck with your partner. You can't get away. You love your partner, but you're like, oh my God, like I have no time to regenerate. Um, And so I just think that like there were times then when I started to, you know, think, well- 
wouldn't it be great to just re- re- like relax, right? Quote unquote, relax or like decompress. Yeah. And I think that's that's a troubled way of thinking because there's so many ways that you can choose to relax without, you know, essentially poisoning your body. Um, <laughs> uh, and for some people, they metabolize it differently. But generally speaking, what I've seen in my family members too, over time is when if you have like pretty consistent drinking routines, that your body ages way faster and you even can't even enjoy drinking the way that you used to when you're younger. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think everyone at some point does have to kind of look at their relationship to alcohol, no matter what level that is and be like, is this a healthy decision or not? So good for you guys. Cause yeah, that's awesome. It's been, it's been really nice. Cause it's just, I think, um, again, like my a lot of alcoholism when I was growing up. So it was just one of those, same thing with my husband. It was one of the things that we are aware of. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of decided, we're like, we're just going to nip this in the bud. We're not going to do this and feel better. Waking up hungover, waking up hungover with kids sounds like you never experienced, but it's like the worst, the worst I think thing about it the all world. the time. Are you kidding me? I, think oh, about it. I thought about it yesterday. They have, an, a, they have now a Corona that's non-alcoholic and it's not dangerous. It's lovely because it tastes exactly like a Corona. Really? Ugh, it tastes exactly. Oh, and so Memorial Day that. weekend, you can try it. It's great. I'm not, no ad, no brand here. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe, <laughs> maybe there's a good idea. <laughs> maybe that's a good idea. What, what I love that's about hilarious. Austin, where we live in Austin, and I don't know about where you live, but when we go out to dinner at restaurants, they have mocktails available like everywhere you go. It's cool now. It's, it's totally cool, cool now to be sober. It's like the trendy thing, which makes it so much easier. Yes. Yes. Because it's not like, oh, you're pregnant? Like, no, I'm just not drinking. Exactly. Oh, you're an alcoholic? No. Exactly. But, so um, we have a lot of like very parallel. I mean, my kids are 25 months apart. Oh my gosh. Um, it's it's crazy, isn't it? But we're just, <laughs> what are we like? Two years behind you. Jack turns five next month. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're a year and a half behind you or so. Okay. Not much changes from this no. from this point to where I'm at, honestly. It's more like if, you, if they're already in preschool or they're already in some sort of daycare situation, mm-hmm. not much changes. They stay sick most of the year. Um, their play dates and their issues still stay the same. Um, yeah. You know, their interests very slightly. I mean, yeah, I love, I look up to moms who have kids older than me um, so much. Like I can't help but feel like I'm always looking for that community of moms, even if, you know, there's older or younger ones, right? But like mm-hmm. the ones that have done it and been through it, especially if they still have like a sense of, like their toes are still in it. There's the moms that are so much out of it that they're not even helpful to you because they're like trying to block it out. They're trying to like go back. And also I can't hang out with the moms that are like, they're the best thing, 24 hours. I'm like, no, they suck sometimes. Can we all just (laughs) say they suck sometimes? We love them. They're amazing. I would, you know, jump in front of a train and they suck sometimes. Hey man, they think we suck too. (laughs) Right? But I feel like there's so much judgment, even on social media too. It's like, well, you should be lucky you have them. I'm like, I know I am. Yeah. But I can still say they suck sometimes, right? I don't know, Mina. You only have 18 summers with your kids. Come on now. Oh yeah, I know. (laughs) I saw on Instagram, it was like, think about things in the amount of moments, not years. And I was like, well, that really messes with you. Yeah. Like, if you see, like, my parents both live in Indy, but I think she was talking about if your parents live out of state and you see them on Thanksgiving, like, oh, I can go next year. But right. think about, you probably only have 10 more opportunities because they're going to die. Oh, my God. You're so right. I was like, Jesus Christ. Damn. That does Helpful, mess you up. but also <laughs> intense. 
That's a lot of pressure. (laughs) That is a lot of pressure. You're right. Listen, I go back to this. That gets me through it. And it's honestly, even as a mom and a mom that was sober um, and continued sobriety and like through pandemic and through everything we've been through as a society, it's that one day at a time mentality um, that I can only do things to the best of my ability in the most honest way um, one day at a time. And so mm-hmm. I, I think it really helps me because um, it's crazy well, out there, man. It is. It's crazy. We're going to we're going to end with two kind of like, you know, these are these are you dig deep questions. Oh, shoot. What advice would you have for parents whose children want to be performers? What would you tell them? Oh, my gosh. Do it. Um, But do it in moderation until it becomes, you know, God, that's a hard question. Okay. who? All right. I said you got to dig deep. (laughs) I will be taking my kids to the theater as often as possible because I want them to have a relationship to the arts. If one of my kids was like, I want to become a performer, I think I'd have to deal with it in a very specific way, knowing what I know and knowing. And obviously I've been educated, but if you aren't educated, get educated. Don't just put your kid in an environment that you aren't aware of all of the intricacies of it, okay? Like that's Mm -hmm. definitely what you have to do. Um, You can (laughs) watch people like me on my podcast and get a feel for some of the good and bad. I try to be as neutral as possible, but what the fact remains is that there is no professional infrastructure right now that is helpful towards your child's mental health. Um, And so- if that is a problem for you and you don't want to, you know, kind of take that on and make sure you're outsourcing that mental health for your children, then I don't know if that's the best fit. Like a child advocate in like, um, you know, like uh, we fostered my niece and there was an advocate that was in place just to take care of her and not either parent. Yeah. A mediator in like some that. terms. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. exist right now in, in the entertainment no. industry. So until it does, I just, Yeah. The next one's less complicated. If you had to pick one passion that you were going to do for the rest of your life, what would it be? Would it be voicing? Would it be your podcast? Would it be Broadway? Oh, gosh. If I had to pick something that I'm currently doing or something that I might want to do? Just your passion. Like, whatever. You could pick anything. I'm actually really... Oh, God. Okay. Oh, man. I'm passionate (laughs) about so much. Like, I actually really love... um, I actually really love interior design. Um, oh, amazing. Yes. I am obsessed with interior design. And I also really love uh, spa stuff. I love going to a spa. I love spa treatments. I love the intricacies of that. I really love face care. And so I building a spa would be one of the most amazing things that I could ever do. And then running that spa would be a huge passion of mine. So maybe when I cycle out of being a media person. I think right now, though, it's like I'll be in media for quite some time. So, Well, thank you guys all so much for listening. It's been amazing. Uh, Christy has to go because she is recording podcast. Um, If you guys want to check her out, her podcast is called Vulnerable. Uh, It is really, really amazing. Um, So thank you all for hanging out. Thank you for listening. Make sure you leave a question in the show notes. Uh, There is a button, super easy, record, hit follow so you don't miss any episodes. And I'll see you next Tuesday. 